This podcast is for alcoholics that have a willingness to recover from their alcoholism by being taught and practicing the principles of the 12 steps as outlined in the big book and the 12 and 12 of Alcoholics Anonymous. My name is Ilya and I am an alcoholic. Page XIII, forward to first edition, first paragraph. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. For them, we hope these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. We think this account of our experiences will help everyone to better understand the alcoholic. Many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. And besides, we are sure that our way of living has its advantages for all. Okay, we finished step uh, six in the uh, one paragraph in the big book and the uh, essay in this 12 steps and 12 traditions. So now we're going to move right into step seven. Um, so we're back into action and we're going to uh, read the... Uh, the prayer, the seventh step prayer, and then move in directly into the uh, into the twelve and twelve. Okay, so uh, if you go to the uh, page seventy six in the big book, uh, the second full paragraph. When ready, we say something like this: "My Creator." I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. So, if you don't know... The details of everything that's in that prayer, it's easy just to say it and think you were magically uh, removed of your character defects, and now you can go on to making amends, uh, which there are several pages on in the big book. Um, but for now, we're going to, uh, to get underneath 7, and uh, Bill did the same in the 50s after this book came out in the 30s. So... Uh, a lot of people were skipping these steps, and they didn't understand them. So one of his big motivators was to uh, to write this supplement because people were skipping 6, six and 7 um, and um, misunderstanding its intent. So now we uh, will review this prayer. So we talk about, he's saying, it goes something like this, right? doesn't mean that. It's definitely this. Maybe you want to do something else. Maybe a different prayer will work for you. Um, it's a suggestion. But creator uh, is 
the the God, the universe, the thing that you're as your higher power that gave you life. Um, you're now asking it for uh, for help uh, to take away your character flaws, all of them. So if you have uh, a pen, you can see uh, all of me is there. So that's not just some of your character flaws, but all of you. And the good and the bad. So again, there's that good and bad. Um, I don't know what's good uh, necessarily, and I don't know what's bad necessarily. Um, what I think may be an asset may be a complete liability. So, like I said in the last podcast, I'm not smart enough to know what's good and bad. Uh, so I give it all to God and let God sort it out and uh, let my higher power, again, God, higher power, determine wha- what it is that uh, it's going to remove and what it's not going to remove. Uh, I may not be re- ready to have all defects removed, even though I say so, and my higher power may just remove some of them for the time being, but I've got to be willing to give God all of them, um, the bad and the good. Um, so I'm praying for God to remove every single defective character. That's everything that I know of or don't know of, for that matter, that stands in the way of my usefulness to you, what's, you know, my usefulness to serving your will on this earth, and my usefulness to other people fellows is other people. Uh, so we, we ask for strength uh, as we go from here to do your bidding, which is what? God's will. And then he ends it with an amen. So that is the prayer. It does say exactly what the step entails, but if we don't understand the, uh, the intricacies of what we're doing, then uh, it's just words. It's Uh, standing in a circle or bowing with your eyes closed and saying words uh, that have uh, very little meaning if if not understood. So uh, we're going to go directly into the the, uh, 12 and 12 now. Uh, As always, I start out with um, the table of contents and read the uh, longer form of the step. And this one is on page 7. And uh, step 7 says, Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. What is humility? What can it mean to us? The avenue to true freedom of the human spirit. Necessary aid to survival. Value of ego puncturing. Failure and misery transformed by humility. Strength from weakness. Pain is the admission price to new life. Self-centered fear, chief activator of defects. Step seven is change in attitude, which permits us to move out of ourselves toward God. Okay, so we already knew what humility was. Uh, That was defined on page 58. Uh, I know that Bill introduced, we know this because Bill introduced humility in the big book, in, 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 into action on step five. He says it's our first step towards humility when we admit our defects to another human being. All right. So he defines it in step five. 
uh, on page 58. So we're going to read that one more time so we know what it is we're trying to accomplish when we say the word humility. To those who have made progress of, in its 58, uh, first full paragraph towards the middle of the page. To those who have made progress in AA, it amounts to a clear recognition of what and who we really are, followed by a sincere attempt to become what we could be. So that is uh, the definition of humility in AA. Um, so it's two parts. Four and five take us to a clear recognition of who and what we really are. We have to understand our defects and where they originate, uh, which is our uh, instincts out of whack. And then we have uh, six and seven, um, which is the letting go steps. And we can give it to God so we can become who we could be um, when we complete the rest of the program. We'll be revealed what we could be. Uh, so when they say more will be revealed, more will be revealed about who and what you are and who you can become. It takes a lifetime to achieve that, and nobody can tell you what that is, and you can only discover that for yourself by going on the journey. This is a journey. This is not a destination that we're um, learning about. It's a journey. Um, alcoholics are very much wrapped up in getting results, and uh, destination is more important than the journey. Uh, we panic over the destination and the end game and the... Um, the final outcome, uh, when it finally comes, um, it, it's never as good as we thought it would be or as uh, important as we uh, would have thought. So this book is trying to teach us that humility um, is a process. It is not a, uh, a destination. So uh, now that we know the definition of humility, um, we can go into step seven. Um, on uh, page 70 of the 12 and 12. Now, um, the step does say, un humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Him is uh, capital H. Again, it was a, uh, uh, a group of Christians who used what they knew best, which was a higher power of their religious understanding. And they refer to it quite a bit. Um, him is a gender-based word. It's capitalized nonetheless, so you could you can replace that as far as um, this book is concerned to higher power, God, universe, just as long as it's a capital first letter. Whatever that is for you is what you're uh, asking to remove your shortcomings. And we've been through this before in other podcasts uh, on the different definitions of higher power and why it has a Christian tone. Um, so I'm not going to go through that again, but um, we can, we can um, bring that back up later in the 11th step. Uh, but for now, we're moving into um, the, uh, the, uh, the step. So um, I'm going to read uh, from the beginning, uh, page 70. Since this step is so specifically, since this step so specifically concerns itself with humility, we should pause here to consider what humility is and what the practice practice of it can mean to us. Indeed, the attainment of greater humility is the foundation principles of each AA's 12 steps. For without some degree of humility, no alcoholic can stay sober at all. Nearly all AAs have found, too, that unless they develop much more of this precious quality, 
than may be required just for sobriety, they still haven't much chance of becoming truly happy. Without it, they cannot live to much useful purpose or in adversity be able to summon the faith that can meet any emergency. Humility as a word and as an ideal has a very bad time of it in our world. Not only is the idea misunderstood, the word itself is often intensely disliked. Many people haven't even a nodding acquaintance with humility as a way of life. Much of the everyday talk we hear, and a great deal of what we read, highlights man's pride in his own achievements. So since the word humbly is in the step, um, doesn't necessarily mean that you haven't been humble up until this point. I mean, if you've gotten to step seven, um, you have been um, practicing humility, whether you realize it or not. Uh, and again, I had said earlier that Bill defines it in the fifth step, which is could be very confusing to the reader um, when he's saying, now we're going to talk about humility, but he doesn't say, well, I already said what it was in step five, because you turn to 58, and it clearly says what it says it is. So um, you have to know that in order to take it with you into seven. Um, but we're going to practice humility now, knowing the definition and practicing it are two different things. So we have to understand um, that this, uh, this program has to be tied together by backtracking in the literature sometimes to understand what uh, is being said in the current reading. Um, so hopefully that's making sense to you and making it a little easier. Uh, and so, yes, humility is not a word that people like. It, is, it rhymes with humiliation, and we talked about in the last podcasts um, the difference between um, being humiliated uh, and humiliating oneself versus uh, being humble. Humble uh, does not mean that you're going to crawl on the ground um, begging for forgiveness while you pay uh, for your past uh, behavior in a public forum. That is not uh, what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, when we go to meetings, we're not there to humiliate ourselves. We're there to share and, and see what we can do to help others as well as let others help us. It goes two ways. Um, helping others is great, but if you can't receive help, then you're still not humble. Uh, so uh, we have to understand that that is not a process of humiliation. That is a process of helping others and uh, receiving help. And in order to do that, in order to give help to others, we have to understand um, what the program is and uh, how we can communicate it to another so they can recover and achieve humility. So that uh, is something that... Um, we really need to want to do, not something that we have to do. Um, we don't want to do it just to stay sober. Um, we want to be happy. Uh, we want to be able to carry this message to others with happiness because there is a way out. And uh, if we don't have any of that humility, um, you're still going to be selfish. And selfish people don't like to help others. They don't like to give. So it's not something that happens right away, but this is the general idea, and it can take years to get to a point where you truly go to a meeting or help another alcoholic because you want to instead of have to in order to stay sober. But ultimately, that is our goal. Um, 
So in our world, you know, we uh, take pride in our achievements, and um, there's not a lot of pride to be had here. In fact, we're deflating our ego, which means deflation of pride. So, you know, to have hu true humility, um, it's okay to have um, high self-esteem, but um, when we're talking about pride and self-esteem, we're talking about two different things. Uh, being proud of one's achievements um, can be is boasting. Even if you know this program, uh, you may boast how much you know this program and uh, be, feel superior to others because you have a program and they don't. That is not humility. That is um, putting yourself on a pedestal and uh, pretending that you are superior to this person or another person, um, even if you think it's good that you have a program. So what we, what we need to do um, here is try to um, look at it from two different angles. One as helping other alcoholics uh, and our motive for doing so, and also in our other affairs. Uh, what other affairs uh, do, we, do, we, do we play the big shot? Do we uh, act as if we're the most important person in the room um, because we're recovered? Um, seemingly. So there are a lot of uh, things that we need to uh, to balance and temper and humility gets us there. Um, so what we'll do is you'll read um, the rest of uh, the uh, those two pages, uh, but I'm going to skip to the parts that I have underlined so we can talk about the most important um, components of this uh, of this step. So um, we have to remember that, that this is a life program, all right? So uh, what we have uh, is a problem of character. And it's impossible to build character overnight and change um, self-centered character to other-centered character. It's not something that happens um, in an instant or nor over a, you know a few years. It takes the rest of our lives, but as long as we strive for what? Spiritual growth, our higher power, will provide us with peace and serenity along the way. Um, this is a grow or go program, meaning you're growing spiritually or you're going backward towards a drink. One of the two. There is no stagnation. Um, I thought that I could just learn this program and then stay where I'm at and have the knowledge again of what humility is, just like I had the knowledge of what drinking, uh, what alcoholism was, and stay away from a drink. I thought I could do the same thing with humility and just um, understand what humility is, and uh, therefore I would have it because I have the intellectual uh, knowledge of how to be uh, an other-centered person. Um, I still didn't want to be um, other-centered, there are uh, times where I still don't want to be. Um, humility comes and goes. Um, when I give my will to a higher power in steps four through seven, um, sometimes I take it back. And there are times where I just come across um, a situation, a person, a place, or a thing that uh, just puts me into self-centered fear and uh, I immediately do it my way. I don't ask God for any help whatsoever. I don't care 
that uh, it's it's something out of my hands. I'm going to try to fix this thing and put this square peg into a round hole, uh, whether it goes in or not. Um, so there are a lot more, and you can imagine how that kind of thinking can drive one back out to a drink. So one of the main things that he's trying to tell us uh, here is is that at the top of page 72, I have uh, underlined uh, a, a, um, a few words uh, on the one, two, three, four, fifth line down. It, it says, but whenever we had to choose between character and comfort, the character building was lost in the dust of our chase after what we thought was happiness. Uh, wow, how many times have I um, been in a situation where it would be more comfortable to uh, not utilize uh, my higher power and go back into my ego because comfort was at risk. Uh, comfort was way more important than character building. As long as I was already comfortable, then yes, character building sounded like an interesting hobby and something that I could pursue um, while I was sitting on a comfortable couch and uh, had uh, all of the uh, entertainment that I needed in front of me to occupy me. And then when it was convenient to, um, to do some character building, I would do so. Um, unfortunately, uh, things don't always happen on my ego's timetable. And things frustrate me um, and threaten my instincts when I least expect them. So I can't depend on my ego uh, for help there. I have to depend on building my character, which I can only do with my higher power, in order to um, experience the moment um, as my higher power uh, has presented it. Um, reality uh, is, 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 is a power greater than myself. So uh, reality is, is that... Um, these are the conditions that I can't change, and uh, I may not be comfortable facing a challenge uh, that the conditions uh, have have posed upon me. So now I need to uh, to work the the steps four through seven uh, in order to uh, to put God's will ahead of mine. And when I do that, um, I instantly feel peace and serenity, and I'm able to handle a situation that used to baffle me. But um, character building, you know, as he talks about in this paragraph, is not something that's typically desired in itself. Um, we need to make, you know, we put our instinctual needs first. And every time we put our instincts before our, um, before our spiritual growth, we're in trouble. And uh, I'm going to jump ahead um, to prove that, uh, that point. Uh, that bill proves that point um, so we can understand um, what that exactly means. How do I put my spiritual growth before my instincts and why should I? Um, when things are hot and heavy and uh, I have uh, a, a, a task that needs to be completed um, or there's a, uh, a social event or a, a romance or a, uh, a business opportunity that's uh, important to me, um, even though those things are, are, yes, no one's saying they're unimportant, but when I put my instincts, my animal instincts for social 
uh, society for security and for sex ahead of my spiritual growth um, as an alcoholic I'm in trouble um, so let's let's see uh, what Bill says about this exact thing we're gonna jump to page 114 and step 12 and I'm gonna read the third full paragraph so this um, that paragraph in step 7 specifically um, aligns with this one as well that's why I'm jumping ahead so 114 third paragraph like most people we have found that we can take our big lumps as they come but also like others we often discover a greater challenge in the lesser and more continuous problems of life our answer is still more spiritual development our answer is in still more spiritual development only by this means can we improve our chances for really happy and useful living. And as we grow spiritually, we find that our old attitudes towards our instincts need to undergo drastic revisions. Our desires for emotional security and wealth, for personal prestige and power, for romance and for family satisfactions, all these have to be tempered and redirected. We have learned that the satisfaction of instincts cannot be the sole end and aim of our lives. If we place instincts first, we have got the cart before the horse. We shall be pulled backward into disillusionment. But when we are willing to place spiritual growth first, then and only then do we have a real chance. So um, after you take time to read that a few times, um, which is the nice thing about a podcast, you can pause this and come back to me. But um, it says clearly that, you know, what those instincts are, um, our desires for emotional security, wealth, personal prestige and power, romance or family satisfactions. Uh, these things uh, are OK, but they have to come after our spiritual growth. They will fall into place once we do our spiritual program first and then our instincts will be balanced uh, and redirect tempered and redirected um, I don't balance and redirect my instincts my higher power does because when I put them first I'm trying to balance and take charge of those instincts but I don't know what's best see my alcoholic mind has an instinct base instinct chip missing and it wants to immediately take it to an extreme in self because I'm in self-centered fear self-centered fear is the first thing that activates when I put my instincts before my spiritual growth so if you think about it in logical or in logistical terms as steps 1 through 12 if I don't ask my higher power first to remove my fear which is a character defects defect which is one out of the five defects right then I'm not going to have the ability to make rational and good choices and decisions until that fear is removed so I don't know how to balance and temper my my instincts and um, when I'm in my disease I I want more and I want too much for them to be satisfied to an unreasonable amount so when my higher powers involved before the cart is before the horse I'm in trouble um, when the horse which is my spiritual life is in front of the cart then it's easy for my stuff if you will my instincts to follow in line um, you can imagine on uh, that metaphor an old prairie where the, the cart 
you know, slides in front of the horse and then the horse runs it over and then you have a yard sale all over the prairie and all your crap is everywhere. Um, there's not much use to it that at that point, everything that you're headed toward is all over the, the destination you're headed toward is, uh, is no longer happening. You're in ruins, uh, and all your stuff is a mess scattered throughout the prairie land. Um, if you use the cart and the horse analogy. So, uh, you think of that metaphor. Um, it's very, very helpful to me. Uh, and I have definitely tried to, um, you know, put these desires uh, um, before my spiritual growth, and it always ends up a disaster. Uh, so that's what we're doing these steps uh, in order. That's why we do these steps in order. So now, if I go back to step seven, my comfort are those emotional and uh, prestigious and uh, instinctual comforts. And my character has to be built before um, I uh, put those first. Uh, it's a scary proposition because my ego, once again, wants to uh, run the show. And uh, ego is the only thing that can be in fear. My higher power is not in fear, and my spiritual inner nature is only in fear if my ego is blocking it from my higher power. Um, my ego is actually becoming more tempered and directed as well as it's deflated because what did I say earlier? If we have a body and a mind, we'll always have an ego. So once that's deflated, my ego can see the value in putting my higher power first. But when I stop doing the program, then uh, my ego inflates all on its own and starts to take over the show and starts taking its will back then that's why we always have to work these steps. Um, so, um, what, uh, what does, it, does it say at the bottom of uh, the second full paragraph? It says that basic ingredient of all humility, a desire to seek and do God's will, was missing. So, if I'm not seeking and doing God's will to the best of my ability, um, I am um, back in uh, my will and uh, things will start to go wrong very quickly. And again, page 58 is the definition of humility. Um, so uh, let's uh, talk about uh, what this means um, from a uh, drinking perspective. So if I don't, if I, if I'm, if I have no humility, I have no peace. Um, and remember that I said earlier that an alcoholic needs peace, not wants peace, but needs it, peace, inner peace. And humility is a slow fix to inner peace. So when I have humility, um, I'm in peace and serenity, and an alcoholic who has peace and serenity doesn't need a drink. So uh, if you don't have humility, then uh, invariably your character defects are going to be the things that uh, slowly or immediately drive you back to alcohol. So um, if you look at page 73, um, we'll talk about this necessity. So go to the first paragraph of 73. It says, so it is that we first see humility as a necessity, but this is the barest beginning. To get completely away from our aversion to the idea of being humble, to gain a vision of humility as the avenue to true freedom of the human spirit, to be willing to work for humility as something to be desired for itself, takes most of us a long, long time. A whole lifetime geared to self-centeredness 
cannot be set in reverse all at once. Rebellion dogs are our every step at first. So the slogan that would um, match that that we see on the walls in AA meetings is easy does it. It doesn't mean don't do it. It says do it, but take it easy on yourself. These t character flaws and this character transformation takes years, sometimes decades, for certain defects. Not all defects take decades, but certain certain things we hold on to, certain behaviors that are attached to a specific defect. Takes a long, long time. He puts two longs in there. Um, so that means that if we think one way for our entire lives and we're self-centered about our own thinking and our own needs and our own will for maybe 40, 50 years for some people, I don't know, maybe you're a teenager and you're getting this thing now, good for you if you are, um, you're going to save yourself a lot of heartache. Uh, so, um, but it doesn't matter. Um, whatever age you have hit an emotional bottom is when you hit it. Uh, so if a, uh, a lifetime of self-centeredness, uh, no matter your age, uh, you cannot reverse that in one night, um, or all at once. Uh, rebellion dogs, um, is a great example. There's going to be barking dogs, um, who are going to say, no, 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 I'm not doing this. I, no way I'm out of here. Um, and it's just gonna, you know, keep happening. But if you keep working the steps, um, in spite of yourself, uh, you'll find that the program works over, uh, a slow period of time. Um, unfortunately for an alcoholic, we don't like slow. We want quick. Um, hence why um, we immediately felt ease and comfort once we take a few drinks. But this doesn't work that way. Uh, so there are going to be character flaws that uh, take a long time to get rid of, but um, as long as you continue to work uh, towards uh, spiritual progress instead of spiritual perfection, uh, your higher power will uh, remove what it wants to remove and how much of it. Um, and that's the best you can do. Um, so we have compulsions and desires that are overwhelming and they will always uh, go against the grace of this uh, God and higher power. So we have to understand that those are just simply base animal instincts that are keeping you, um, keeping you in, your, uh, in your will. And as long as you work the steps in order, uh, you will uncover, discover, and discard um, the things that are blocking you from uh, your higher power. And that's why four through seven is so, so important. Um, imagine skipping to dealing with others in eight and nine without any humility if you've, you know, starting to, to connect the dots. Um, so he's saying this um, in step in page 74. So if you turn to page 74 in the first full paragraph, he says, but when we have taken a square look at some of these defects, have discussed them with another, and have become willing to have them removed, our thinking about humility commences to have a wider meaning. So what did I just say before? If we do steps four through seven. So he says, you know, those that one sentence is four through six. We've taken a look at them. It's four. Uh, the defects. Have discussed them with another. That's five. Have become uh, willing to have them removed. That's six. 
and then uh, you know we start thinking about seven. Now we understand that you're willing and you know you can't remove them and now you really have humility that your higher power will. You're grateful that your higher power will remove this, the, the, these defects so you can grow in the likeness of your higher power instead of uh, a monster of an ego that we've created. Um, you have a choice. You can grow in the likeness of your ego or grow in the likeness of your higher power. Um, if you're like me, your ego stopped giving you pleasure um, a long time ago, and it only brings more excessive misery at this point. Um, because my, my sponsor did used to say, hey, if alcohol still worked, I'd still be drinking. <laughs> you know, I mean, alcohol stopped working for me. Um, if it was working and it was providing me with the same effect as it was when I was 18, I'll tell you right now, I would still be drinking. Um, but it doesn't work that way. Uh, I put myself through the ringer longer than I could have. Um, I made a, an oath to quit in my 20s that I'd quit in, by 30. And then I remember on my 30th birthday, I said to myself, ah, what's another 10 years of drinking? There's a lot of things that uh, I want to do while wasted that uh, I'm entitled to do. So it was a ridiculous rationalization. But hey, I hadn't hit that emotional bottom. And uh, I was ready to continue uh, the party as far as my mind and disease was concerned. But that's when the deterioration really hit for me was uh, between 30 and 39 years old. Um, and believe me, my 20s weren't a picnic all the time either. Um, so um, now we go to uh, the uh, last paragraph on page um, page 74. I have uh, underlined... Uh, our eyes begin to open to the immense value, values which have come straight out of painful ego puncturing. Wow, all right. Painful ego puncturing. That, uh, that means that there's going to be pain along the way during this uh, process. I am, uh, you know, telling my ego or asking my higher power for help, but that doesn't mean that it's all going to feel good. There's going to be pain involved in um, me not getting what I want or losing what I have. Uh, from the littlest things that are non-material to uh, things that uh, one can't see, like pride. Uh, my pride is punctured frequently uh, at work when I'm in sobriety, when I'm in recovery, uh, over the littlest things, the littlest events, and the... Uh, way people look at me uh, and where I am at life can be uh, on the external can be very, very um, difficult uh, pill to swallow. But if uh, I don't accept the conditions as they are, uh, then uh, my ego um, will blow up and uh, I will cause harm and possibly go out to drink. So when you're new, practicing uh, this step uh, on fresh raw defects is excruciating. Um, so that's normal, and uh, I hope that you don't drink over it. Um, so now we're going to talk about the, uh, the ultimate of humility. What, what does one do when they want humility? Uh, how does one behave when they want humility? Um, and uh, we're going to read that instead of something that, you know, they have to do, something that they want to do. So if we go to page 75, we'll look at the second full paragraph. It says, during this process of learning more about humility, the most profound result of all was the change in our attitude toward God. And this was true whether we had been believers or unbelievers. 
we began to get over the idea that the higher power was sort of a Bush League pinch hitter to be called upon only in an emergency. The notion that we would still live our own lives, God helping a little now and then, began, began to evaporate. Many of us who had thought ourselves religious awoke to the limitations of this attitude. Refusing to place God first, we had deprived ourselves of his help. But now the words, of myself I am nothing, the Father doeth the work, begin to carry bright promise and meaning. So now this person wants to be humble. He doesn't have to be humble. Um, and whether you were a believer in step two or not, um, it works. So if you have um, uh, the word came to believe, by the time you get to seven, you may believe more than you would than you did when you first got to step two. So it doesn't say believe in a power greater than ourselves will restore us to sanity in step two. It says come to believe. So even a believer or a non-believer or unbeliever can start to see this process work, which is um, which is fantastic news for uh, atheists, agnostics, or religious uh, individuals. Uh, so we began to get over the idea that our higher power is someone to you know, just be called upon when we're in trouble, we're in jail, uh, there's an emergency, I promise I'll never do this again. If you, know, you get me out of this one, God, um, you know, we're using God uh, on our terms when we need real law, you know, help based on trouble that we're in. But now we actually uh, strive for humility um, even when we're not in trouble. Uh, and that is when you know you're starting to experience the, uh, the, the, the ultimate of humility that your higher power really is um, your, uh, your, your, uh, your director and not your ego. And that, that proof is now um, being revealed. Um, and we don't need in the next paragraph to be, uh, we, we saw we needn't always be bludgeoned and beaten into humility. And that's where you start when you're new. You know, I didn't want to work this program. I didn't want to uh, do humility. I just wanted to not drink and get on to being rich and successful. Uh, that's, that's all I cared about. Um, but I had my fun drinking and I was like, wow, all right, that's just what a young, that's just a young man's game. I need to, you know, get my, my, my life together and my job and my career. And then I couldn't. So I, you know, kept on drinking anyway. And then I, you know, blacked out too frequently. So I tried to get help to control and enjoy my drinking through an outpatient clinic. Um, thinking if I had the information, uh, I wouldn't drink, um, as a result of that experience, but nine months later, I, you know, what got me drunk? My character defects. Um, I had no humility. I knew I had knew nothing of character defects, and I'm telling you now, in hindsight, that's exactly what happened. I became restless, irritable, and discontent, as it said in the doctor's opinion, and I repeated the cycle. It just was a little bit longer of a cycle than what was um, on other cycles, but nonetheless repeated. Um, so this is about, you know, changing. Uh, into who I could be. And it's impossible to change if you uh, do it on your own or uh, don't want to be humble in removing your defects. So, you know, I don't have to be beaten into it um, as bad, but there are certain things that I still don't want to do. I won't lie, um, that um, sometimes people bring to my attention and I say, uh, screw you, uh, how dare you give me criticism, I'm doing fine. And that's when I know that I'm not doing something fine. 
Um, so I'm just upset that they brought it to my attention. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm dealing with right now is um, I used to go to lots and lots of meetings, and I'm hearing the same old rhetoric and uh, people in there who aren't teaching this program. So uh, it's easy for me to get resentful and say, what's the point? Why go? It's a waste of time. Part of the reason that I'm doing this podcast is because I think I can um, reach more people instead of the same group of people over and over again on on a weekly basis that truly a lot of them, I'd say 95% of them, don't know this program. And if they do, they don't really even practice it. Um, so it's not, like I said, a program that is uh, easy to do, but it is simple. But um, we're talking about tolerance. So when I, you know, have a, uh, a problem with AA meetings, I'm not tolerating them. But at the same time, I shouldn't go to meetings that keep me sick. Um, but I can't excuse myself from a meeting indefinitely just because there's one or two people I don't like. Because then that means that there's other people in there who aren't getting the message that I could deliver. And that's selfish of me. Uh, so when I'm not humble, I don't want to carry this message is my point. And um, sometimes I need to stay away from the rooms because it's just too much noise and my peace and serenity is under attack. And so my higher power just needs me to recalibrate in some peace and quiet. But, um, you know, this is uh, part of the reason that we have, uh, you know, forgiveness. Not everything has to be done on someone else's timetable, um, even though it's brought to your attention. It's your decision at the end of the day. And it's your experience, and you should be able to be entitled to go through the pain that you are needing to go through. And if someone's standing over you saying, hurry up, hurry up and grow, well, then maybe they need to look at themselves and say, hey, you know, I'm playing God here. Things take time. But, you know, we don't want to abandon the steps either, so we still have to keep some sort of check on each other um, to, uh, to, to course correct um, somebody's ego. But um, so that's just been my experience. Um, just because I know this program doesn't make me an expert uh, as far as practicing it goes. But I do know when I don't practice it, what happens. Um, so that's just some personal information. So... Um, what we have to do, you know, to break it down, you know, if we're looking at um, the bottom of uh, the, the, the last sentence on the uh, first paragraph of 76, it says, we now clearly see that we have been making unreasonable demands upon ourselves, upon others, and upon God. So when we're humble, we now see what? We now see our defects. That's one. And what we have to do is be willing to let go. And then we have to turn it over to God. So that's what we're trying to do here. See our defects in four and five, become willing to let it go in six, and turn it over to God or give it to God in three. Um, I mean, in seven. So we have uh, these unreasonable demands on myself. You know, I'm not going to be perfect, and I'm not going to be able to live up to the expectations uh, that I have. I, other people aren't going to be able to live up to the expectations I have on them. And, uh, and upon God. And if I don't accept that, um, and other people have to accept me for who I am too. If they don't, then, hey, you know, I can't control them and I shouldn't be upset that they're disappointed in me. Um, so, you know, 
I can get really upset when someone's disappointed in me. Um, but that's not always my problem. But it becomes my problem when I'm super upset about it. Um, if I'm disturbed, I'm the problem. Um, so one of the things that um, I'm going to jump ahead and read, again, like I did in 12, that pertains to that, if I'm disturbed, I'm the problem. Um, if we turn to page 90, we're going to talk step 10 for just one second. It happens to be in 10, but um, I know alcoholics rationalize when it's someone else's fault, so we're going to bring it up now. Um, page 90, uh, second full paragraph. It is a spiritual axiom that every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there is something wrong with us. If somebody hurts us and we are sore, we are in the wrong also. But are there no exceptions to this rule? What about justifiable anger? If somebody cheats us, aren't we entitled to be mad? Can't we be properly angry with self-righteous folk? For us AA, these are dangerous exceptions. We have found that justified anger ought to be left to those to better, who are better qualified to handle it. So every time I'm disturbed, there's a problem in me. It doesn't matter if the other person's disturbing me. I'm the problem. Um, and that made it very difficult for me to accept at first. There have been people who have blatantly screwed me over and have disturbed me. But my reaction to that makes me the problem, no matter what they did. And we'll get into that more when we talk about the 10th step. But if you're sitting here thinking, well, there's too many people who have hurt me and I have expectations on them. They haven't followed through on promises. They haven't done what they said they were going to do. Well, those are my character defects that are coming out in spite of what theirs are. It makes no difference. If you go back to your resentment inventory, you have to think about what, you know, remember Mr. Brown, that he, you know, uh, made Bill look bad or threatened his job. Who knows what Mr. Brown was up to? It doesn't matter. It's what character flaws that came out of Bill as a result of that that we're trying to look at and discard, not Mr. Brown's. Um, so... Now that we know that uh, we're trying to remove these things and give them to God, what activates our defects primarily? We talked about that as well, and that's why we do a separate inventory on fear. The very next paragraph, go back to page 76, the second full paragraph. It says, the chief activator of our defects has been self-centered fear. Primarily fear that we would lose something we always possessed or would fail to get something we demanded. So we have to understand that underneath, remember the self-corroding thread um, in, uh, in how it works? Um, fear is the self-corroding thread. It's underneath everything. So underneath all of our defects of character is fear. That activates all the other defects of character because we're always in fear of our God-given instincts, our natural desires, our animal instincts, whatever you want to call them, the seven deadly sins, um, are always activated when one of these um, things are under threat. Um, selfishness, dishonesty, self-seeking, and in consideration of others is on top of fear. Underneath that is a baseline of fear because the fear of really what we're afraid of losing is something we demanded or expected as far as our natural desires are concerned. And that includes controlling other people. Controlling other people is, a, is an expression of power. Um, we want to control others, and depending upon them far too much, too, is an expression of power. They owe me. I depend upon them. They owe me, they owe me a living. 
Um, that is an expression of power. So um, we go into uh, self-centered fear when these are under threat. And without God's help, we cannot remove them. Um, I'll continue the paragraph. Living upon a basis of unsatisfied demands, we were in a state of continual disturbance and frustration. Therefore, no peace was to be had unless we could find a means of reducing these demands. The difference between a demand and a simple request is plain to anyone. So I'm not satisfied enough. Um, I'm disturbed and frustrated. Then we go back. What did I read at 10? Every time I'm disturbed slash frustrated, I'm the problem. It makes no difference what the other person did. That is a difficult thing to comprehend when you're an alcoholic, but it's true. And the more you work this program or not work this program, you'll start to see that. Um, but you may be so delirious with insanity that it's impossible to see. Um, so we're now going to talk about um, all the steps that we've read up until this point in the last paragraph. One through seven is in the last paragraph. So you can't do the seventh step unless you've done the prior six. And that's why this particular program is in order as it is. Um, you don't bring other people into 8 and 9, which we're now going to discuss other people next time and how to make amends with them if we haven't thoroughly done 1 through 7. Because now you're skipping steps, you're still in your will, and you're going to cause more harm. Um, so that's why you can't jump ahead. Um, so let's read the bottom of 76, last paragraph. The seventh step is where we make the change in our attitude, which permits us, with humility as our guide, to move out from ourselves towards others and toward God. The whole emphasis of step seven is on humility. It is really saying to us that we now ought to be willing to try humility in seeking the removal of our shortcomings, just as we did when we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. If that degree of humility could enable us to find the grace by which such a deadly obsession could be banished, then there must be hope of the same result respecting any other problem we could possibly have. So, yes, we got here because we uh, were killing ourselves with alcohol, and we knew that we were in big trouble. That was the very first thing that brought us here. That's step one. And then he talks about um, admitting... Um, that we uh, came to believe, first admitting we were powerless, and then we came to believe that's two, uh, and that we would need to turn our will and our lives over to this care of this higher power, which is our will is our thinking and our life is our actions. So now we've done that, now we have to look at our defects and, um, and admit them to another person and be ready to let them go and then ask God to remove them. That's steps one through seven. That is humility. You have achieved humility if you've done step, steps one through seven thoroughly on your alcoholism, and now you're doing it on every other problem that you think you have or do have. Because remember, alcoholics are what? We're problem people. We're in trouble not just when we're drinking. We're in trouble when we have a problem. And a problem will activate defects, and defects will take us back out drinking uh, or harm others. 
That is the main reason why we're doing this. And eventually the obsession for drinking will be removed out of your life for so long that you're not going to be doing this just to remove alcohol from your life anymore or the obsession from it. You're going to be doing this because the humility that you get from it is so, so spiritually enlightening that uh, you're just going to want more of it. And that's going to become the juice that keeps you uh, spiritually fit. And if you're not spiritually fit, your ego is going to come back and resurrect and um, take over the show and you're going to become excessively miserable again. It just happens. You know, when I'm, in, when I'm in the solution, I can't imagine being in the problem. And when I'm in the problem, I can't imagine being in the solution. Um, I'm that blocked off um, from either one when I'm in the solution or the problem. It's incredible. Um, but um, it just seems like uh, a pointless uh, exercise when you're in your disease. But if you persevere through this, um, then you will um, gain humility on a daily basis. So um, that uh, being said, I am going to upload um, some other handouts on step seven to the Dropbox drive. Um, there's a sheet that helped me. Um, again, these handouts aren't necessarily AA approved, but um, they did help me understand uh, why I'm uh, trying to acquire humility uh, as a way of life. Um, there's uh, a sheet with a, a, uh, a diagram on it, a picture diagram called the iceberg theory. And the iceberg theory shows um, a layer cake of what's above the surface that the rest of the world sees, which is my addictions and my behavior. And underneath the waterline, underneath the, the iceberg, which is most of the uh, three quarters, if not more of the iceberg, is what people and yourself cannot see, um, is what we're, uh, how we think and how our belief system operates and why we're trying to get rid of these, uh, these defects on an ongoing basis. Because even though the five things are selfishness, dishonesty, self-seeking, fear, and inconsideration of others, uh, those are just words. We have to know why we uh, have these defects and what the root cause of them is um, outside of, uh, and the result of them, I should say, and the damage it's conflicted on us on how we think as a result of them. And uh, self-hatred and self-loathing is at its core. Um, we behave this way because we really don't love ourselves. Um, and we have rigid belief systems that um, have been taught to us uh, about ourselves. And then we have to melt this ice. Um, and that is why this diagram is so, so helpful. So um, take a look at it and uh, try to gain a little bit more of an understanding about addiction in itself. Um, on that, this, uh, these, these, these steps apply to all addictions. This is just focusing on alcohol. As an alcoholic, um, I need these steps, but if I was an overeater, if I was a, uh, a shoplifter, if I was addicted to, um, to sex, if I was addicted to gambling, um, these steps will work on any addiction whatsoever. Um, so it, uh, it really matters not what you're addicted to. Um, so take a look at that sheet and, uh, and uh, hopefully you won't be replacing one addiction for another instead of working this program because eventually that will lead you back to drinking if you're an alcoholic anyway or another addiction that will cause you excessive misery uh, in the end. So that is uh, pretty much uh, 
what I'm going to load up there. If it's not up there right away, don't panic. Um, I have to scan them in and get them up there. Um, but um, I'm I'm not um, releasing these podcasts uh, all twelve at, all twelve steps at once. I'm today is actually August eighth, um, two thousand nineteen, and um, I'm doing these uh, when I'm inspired to do so. Uh, so there is no real timetable, but I will eventually get through all 12 steps, so bear with me if another podcast doesn't come out um, immediately. I am uh, going to take a small trip and uh, may not be able to do this uh, to get to step 8 for uh, a little some while here. And if you're listening to this uh, several months from today, then it's already there. Um, but if you're an ongoing listener, um, you'll just have to practice humility before you get into steps eight and nine. I don't recommend you make uh, any amends anyway um, without humility and counsel from um, another person um, for each instance that you're going to uh, make an amend because that's a whole nother discussion that we need to have. So uh, I hope you're well. I hope everybody's doing great today and uh, go to a meeting, have a wonderful time, feel good. And um, don't be so hard on yourself, guys. This is a, a life program, and uh, six and seven take uh, you know the rest of our lives along with the rest of the steps. But six and seven is uh, is really the middle of the program, in ch- and when it comes to change and how we um, get back into um, um, working with others and uh, having a connection, a true connection with our higher power. So God bless, and until next time. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.